So thank you, Peter, um, bringing us our, a very difficult scripture. He did a fantastic job getting all those names in. I feel like I owe you lunch, Peter, so I, I'll, I'll make good on that. Um, well done. This sermon series, we've been preaching through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Two books in your Bible. It was one, one story, one uh, work compiled uh, in Hebrew scriptures. We're calling this Return, Rebuild, Restore. And here we, uh, we have this amazing image that was read for us of the people who had genuinely returned to their land and returned to their God. They had rebuilt the walls of the city, but they were rebuilding their way of life in their faith in God. And they were uh, restored, a people restored, people genuinely um, uh, restoring their lives as, as God's people, as a community. And it's just a, it all comes together in this one beautiful moment. And, and here we see Ezra and Nehemiah. We've been looking at their two stories, but now they're reunited, Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra had, had come 14 years earlier to lay the foundation of God's law with the people. He started this spiritual reform. And then Nehemiah comes on the scene, another leader, and he has more of a physical reform where they're actually physically rebuilding the walls of their city. So we have Ezra coming in, the spiritual, uh, laying the, the spiritual groundwork really paved the way for Nehemiah to do his work. Because I'm not sure if the people would have completed Nehemiah's work without a heart that was turned towards God. Because they had all that opposition, they had all the insults and threats that were thrown at them, uh, and physical threats. But they were able to persevere through that because they were committed to God's work. And then, then you have... Ezra comes back into the scene to to finish the work of discipling the people and continuing to to teach them God's law and to worship together. And I don't think that work would be possible without a safe place to do it, without a walled city where they could be at peace and gather and, and to spend this focused time together. And you just see how important both aspects of, of this ministry are the sort of the, spiritual matters of the heart and the practical matters of of being organized together and and we remember this both of these leaders had massive opposition against them when ezra showed up on the scene the people were very far from god's law there was all those illegal marriages remember that uh, account we talked about that a few weeks ago, and then Nehemiah with all the the local people, you know, hurling the insults and the death threats and all the discouragement. But here it all pays off at this very high moment, and we can really really look at this as a time of revival that the people have been spiritually revived to be able to live their way of life. It's just a beautiful image of revival, and this image where you've got the people gathered together and they're worshiping the Lord and and God's word is central to that moment and you have men and women and children and you have um, just the grace of God being understood. They're just filled with great joy. That's an image that's vivid for us because it's real for them many years ago, but that's an image of God's people in any time where people can gather and be focused on his word and worship, be filled with his joy. This is an image that's possible even for us today. That's why it's such a vivid image for us. Free Christian church, in a lot of ways, we are um, getting our life together in order. 
a year ago, we, it was a, a very difficult time in the life of this church. It was really kind of a time of crisis. We had been through a number of difficult transitions together, and we were at a point where we needed to start working hard as a community to return, rebuild, and renew our ministry. And you know, focusing first on the spiritual health of our leaders, spiritual health of the congregation, but also practical matters of um, rehiring and reorganizing and, and putting things into place to have a healthy system where healthy disciples can be made. Sort of that Ezra-Nehemiah pattern of both the, the, the hard spiritual work and the, and the sort of the background organizational work. And so we made a lot of progress. And then COVID hits, boom, in, in uh, about March. And then we had to respond to that and adjust to that. And we're still kind of in the middle of a long process of rebuilding from, from that and slowly regathering. And great to see the room filling up more and more every week. This is uh, such a blessing. But we don't lose heart at any time because we're staying committed to the good work God's called us to. And I believe that what God is doing through all this, and I don't want to overstate this, but I believe this with all my heart, that God has been working in all these ways because he is bringing us to a point of revival. That we as a community are on the verge of revival and that we're going to see it in our time. And we're going to see it soon. And now again, what God was doing in Ezra and Nehemiah's day is different than what it will be and what it will look like in our day. But at the same time, I believe that this image of revival that they experience is going to be helpful for us. And I'm going to want to look at the elements, the aspects of this revival that we can learn from and that we can see in this account. So, um, so let's, I want to look at five of them. So five elements of revival that are jumping out to me in this passage. And they're all things that we can live and experience here today. So let's pray as we... Look at these. Father, as I know my heart is um, very much feeling that you desire to bring about something very beautiful. And we're seeing glimpses of it, Lord. And we, we desire to see it in its fullness. That you have brought us through uh, difficult seasons. That we might know a season of blessing and just an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And of, 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 of beautiful ministry and lives changed because of it for your glory but lord whatever you desire to do we just we know it's all in your hands you are sovereign and we um, we just trust you lord help us to be faithful to you help us to be faithful to your word and may this time as we look at your word just be one step one more step towards that lord we are yours and this time is yours and so we pray all these things in the name of jesus our lord amen Okay, five elements of this, of this moment, of this revival moment for the people of God in the day of, days of Ezra and Nehemiah. The first is the word of God. The word of God was central. Every revival is a revival. It's getting back to God's word. Um, and the people, and it wasn't just Ezra, you know, read the Bible, we got to do this more. It was the people asking for it. Look at verse one. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. Bring out that book. And we know it's not just Moses's book. It's the book that God commanded Moses to bring. It's God's word. And we want to hear it. And they're in this beautiful moment and they're calling for God's word. And they all stood up. It, they, it says that when, when the book was open, they all stood in reverence. Their hearts were hungry for this. 
And the people listened attentively for hours. Verse 3 says he read it aloud from daybreak till noon. And all the people listened attentively to the book of, of the law. From daybreak till noon. That was like five or six hours. That's a long church service. That's a long church service. And I've been part of some long ones. That's pretty good. The question, though, if we, are, if we have a sense that God is going to bring revival, it's always going to be centered in God's word. And we are going to take our cues and we're going to understand the world through the lens of his word. Because you can take your cues from all kinds of places. There's, there's plenty of conversation and information and debates in our world today. Debates about masks. Debates about, uh, about race. Debates about elections. Debates about schools. Debates about this and that. And, you can, and there's all these different conversations and different perspectives. What's your perspective? Your perspective needs to be through the word of God, that we take our cues, we understand who we are and how we engage this world and how we love people and how we serve the Lord in our day because his word guides us. It's unchanging, but it's living and it's active. So God's word is where we are going to take our cues and we're going to take our direction from that. And if we aren't grounded in, in God's word, we'll never see a moment of revival like this. So the word of God is central. Second element is that it's the whole family of God. So it's the word of God, but the whole family of God. Look at verse 3 here. This is interesting. He, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. If, in Jewish culture, if you're not a man or a woman, what are you? You're a child, or you're, a, you're an adolescent, or you're... You, it, was, it was not just the men and the women, not just the adults. It was anybody who could understand, regardless of your age, all gathered. And if we are going to see revival in our day, it's not going to be just for men. It's not going to be just for women. It's going to be for all ages. You know, as I pray, that the, the youth of, of this community are not the church of the future. You're the church of today. And God will use you. And often these movements of when God is reinvigorating a community spiritually, often it starts with the youth. It's, it, so it's all ages, but it's also all people using all their different gifts. So it's not just Ezra and Nehemiah, these great leaders. And they were great leaders. But there's these list of names that Peter read for us. You know, 13 people with Ezra while he's reading the, the book of the law. Maybe they're taking turns because they've just spent so much time Reading it. And then another 13 names, people who were helping explain it. So we know the Bible is a, it's an ancient book. It's, it's, it is a very understandable, but sometimes we need help to understand what is this message? How do we engage God's law? So we had all these people and you, you can kind of picture them perhaps breaking into groups and taking turns teaching these groups of people and making it clear to them. So there was a whole bunch of uh, not just the leaders, but a whole bunch of people teaching. And then not just teachers, but people who had to do other tasks too. Look at verse 4. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Who built the platform? It didn't just exist. Who asked for it to be built? If there's not a wooden platform for them to stand on, and it's a big wooden platform because we see 13 people standing on it. So it's got to be somewhat sound. Somebody with carpentry skills or a group of people got together and said, we're going to have this big gathering and we want to hear, so we need a platform. And they built it. 
It's, it's, not, it's not just one gift. You could have all the gifts of teaching, but if nobody can hear it, then there you go. So it took, it took people using all their different gifts. We as a church, we recognize that people, that we want to help people find and use their spiritual gifts. We've got this part of the website, that, uh, there's a whole, it's just been all redone, this serve part of the website. We have this, what's called a shape profile. Roselle mentioned it last week. It's a great way to, uh, just a tool that we use to help people try to uh, find their place to serve. And how God has shaped them this, with your spiritual gifts, gifts and your heart and your abilities and your experiences. And we believe that everybody has a place. It's going to take all of us working together. Now, again, in this season, some of the ways that we serve inside the church and serve in our community are more limited because of our you know, situation. But, but we want people, this is a great time to reevaluate and to take you know, intentional steps to know how to serve because it's going to be the whole family of God, all ages, all different giftings, working together to see these kind of moments of revival happen. So the word of God is central. It's the, it's the family of God. And then thirdly, the worship of God flows from this. We have all the people gathered as one in verse 1. And then in verse 6, we have Ezra praising the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen! Amen! And they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is an image that we've truly we've truly lost during this season because it's been hard for us to lift all of our voices to say amen amen together because we're uh, some of us here we could do that and say amen and uh, but i can't hear the people or see them at home i know you're out there but i can't hear your amen and sometimes there's an amen that flies up the the comment part of the online service and i love that little um little words of encouragement that's great but right now i can't see them and it's hard to do that and and so i long i look forward to this that's why this i'm really excited about september 13th because anybody who shouts amen we're going to hear we're going to hear it we can see each other all around amen to that and that's just that is that is something that we truly have lost and there's wonderful ways that we've been able to connect but I, I just long for that. You, you see all the, you can just picture this, the platform and all the people gathered and they're all agreeing in worship and they're lifting their hands. And lifting of hands is, is there, there's no instruction in the Bible that that's how you should worship with your hands a certain way. And in our church, you know, you can put your hands in your pocket or lift them up. But many people, it's just a very natural way of worship to lift a hand up or out. And, and as people we don't even know why we do that, but there's just something of very natural in this posture of praise or hands out and then, and then heads bowed. That's also a very natural posture of praise. As we sort of lift praise to God, we realize who he is and sometimes we just want to bow our heads and close our eyes. And these are very natural postures of prayer, but a, a whole group of people doing these things. So I want to see this on the 13th. I know, um, well, you know, because we're going to be outdoors, which is, is, you know, tends to be quite safe and we'll have plenty of room to distance as much as you feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, once we're settled, you don't have to wear a mask the whole time because of the, the distance in the outdoors, which is great. And so we're really, you know, for people who are choosing to avoid crowds, this is a, a good place to, 
to still come out and to still worship with us because we want to lift our hands and our voices together. And um, so this is, but the worship of God will always be flowing at these times of, of revival. The fourth element of the revival. So we have the word of God central. You get the family of God all together, all ages, all different giftings. You've got the worship of God, and then you have an experience of the grace of God. Look at verse 9. This is Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. This is what God's word does to us, though. As we, as we meditate on God's word, as we read the Bible, we get a picture of who God is. We see his heart, and we see how holy and amazing God is. As we see God's holiness and as we see his majesty, we see our own hearts and how we are not holy and how we have fallen very short of God's glory. Hebrews 4 puts it this way. It says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account. And these people sat all day. And these are not people who had been living God's word. So they're hearing it read and they're understanding how far they are from from God's standard and they weep. And hearts break because we understand God's holiness. We understand our sinfulness. But the grace of God. But the grace of God, that we would just stay heartbroken except the fact that we see in God's word that he is a God of grace, that he is a God of forgiveness, that he is a God who does not treat us as our sins deserve, but extends his grace to his people. So they say, don't cry anymore, don't mourn, because we, you are a people realigning yourself with God's way, and there's blessing in that. So we're going to celebrate. And for, and for us, it's going to be even better because we live on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ. We know how great God's forgiveness is. We know how complete the sacrifice of Jesus was to atone for our sin. This little rebuilding project really points to the ultimate rebuilding project of a God who is rebuilding a world that's broken in sin. The, the, the original sin and then the sin we contribute to it, the world is very broken in sin, and we know that. And we know that we've contributed to that. But Jesus Christ came and his body was torn down that we might be truly rebuilt as a people. That's the good news of Jesus, that he paid it for us. And because we know that and because we rely on it, we know the deep grace of God. And we remember, you know, what do you need to do before God will forgive you of your sin? You need to sin. And we do. And we turn to him. And we repent. And if, if there's going to be a season of renewal and revival in our community, it's going to be, there's going to be repentance is going to be part of that. It will have to be. We won't see revival without repentance. And it's all about his grace. You can't conjure up a revival. You can't force God's hand. This is all his grace. It was all God's grace. In the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, why did they even go and build? It's because God's grace towards... Um, to give them favor with these foreign kings who were ruling over these lands 
to give them permission to go. I mean, they didn't, it wasn't because they were such great leaders. It was because of God's grace to not leave these people exiled, but to bring them back and to regather them. It's all about the grace of God. And the grace of God that we bring with us to our world will set us apart from our world. True grace, that we're going out into a world saying, look, this world, there's so much striving and trying to achieve and accomplish things. And we go into a world and say, you know, our God has accomplished it all for us. This is not about some religion where I have to do all my duty. It's about receiving the free gift of God's grace and using that to propel me in freedom in my world to live as his people. That's our fuel for outreach, grace of God. So we have an experience of the grace of God. So we got the word of God and the family of God together, the worship of God, an experience of God's grace, and lastly, the joy of God. Verse 10, Nehemiah says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength, people. And this beautiful joy of fellowship where they're eating and drinking and they're, they're eat and drink the good stuff, he says. This is a time to celebrate. And there's also joy in sharing it. So remember people who don't have things prepared or don't have the resources you have. As you celebrate, give to others. There's joy in giving and sharing. It's a beautiful uh, picture. But the text is clear that the joy is from the Lord. And the joy comes because they understand God. Look at verse 12. All the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, again, to be generous, and to celebrate with great joy because now they understood the words that had been made known to them. Not because the walls, not because the good food, not because everybody was together and it was an exciting moment. They, they were full of joy because they understood. I understand. Now I understand that God made me and God loves me. Now I understand that, yes, I sin against God and that separates me from his love. But now I understand that God is a God of grace who saves me, who rescues me. And I put my faith in him. I understand now that God has always been faithful to his people. He's always been faithful to his promises. And he will continue forevermore. I understand that I'm going to face troubles in this world. But I take heart because my God has overcome the world. I understand that God is in control. And nothing can separate me from his love. No matter what I see out in this crazy world. We understand these things. And it brings us great joy. And the joy of the Lord becomes our strength. The word of God is central. The whole family of God is present, leading to the worship of God, experiencing the grace of God, empowered by the joy of God. And like I said, I think we are on the verge of this type of image in our day. And we're getting there. And you can ask me, how can you be so sure? And I'll say, I'm not sure. We could face more obstacles and more setbacks, but I don't believe that. I believe God has used the, what, we have, what we are facing and what we have experienced together to strengthen us. To prepare our hearts for this moment. So what about you personally? How are, how are you going to live it out? Because you're the ones tomorrow, you're going to have to go to work or work from home or do what you're going to do tomorrow. You know, and after all the troubles that you've faced, after um, the setbacks that you've seen, do you believe that God is using those things to, to prepare you and to propel you forward to the good things that, that he has created you for? 
to a life of true worship that's rooted in his grace, that's full of joy. I believe he wants that for you and that he wants that for me and he wants that for us as a community. Let us pray. Father God, I hear these words, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I believe it, Lord. I believe that you want to strengthen your people through the joy that comes from knowing you, from the joy that comes from being called your people. And as we seek to live that out in our everyday, Lord, may we remember your grace in every way. May we worship you as you deserve. May we just be a community that is just on fire for you. Because that's what you've called us to. And you've called us to good things, Lord. So may your joy be our strength. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.